All right, are you ready? This is the day. Wait a minute, you're getting ahead of me. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. You like that one? That's a good one, isn't it? I love to hear the scripture, and I know you do too. One of the best ways to read the Bible, I think, just read that out loud. If nobody's there, they won't think you're crazy, you know. Uh, but you can just sit there and just read and, and think uh, how special it is. Let's try another one. My God, my God. Shall, supply shall supply all of my, my needs. Do you believe that? How's he going to do it? By Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, obedience is the key to prosperity. There's those little scriptures in the Bible I remember as a child. Children, obey your parents. When I did not know if that was biblical or not, it wasn't long after that that my father taught me that it was. That it was a lot better to obey the Lord than deal with him, you know, in the way I treated mom or whatever. But God has a way of just simply helping us when we're walking through times that we don't understand. We're taught to obey the law. Go by the speed limit. Military people to give respect. And we're all in that same world together trying to figure out, now, Lord, what do you want me to do? And where do I fit in to everything that's going on? Let me just submit to you that obedience, I believe, obedience to God and His Word is the most important thing for us to master in our life. Just to learn how to obey. To know that we can trust and obey, for there's no other way to be faithful in Jesus and to trust and obey. For more than a half of a century, Sage My Church has tried to be faithful to the Word of God in every area. We've discussed different areas. We've looked at different areas and, and uh, what God would have our church to do. But we have always, always been known from the time that Sage Mott began, number one, we've been known for our love for God. We've been known also for our love for the Word of God. We've also been known for the love that we have for each other. We believe red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. God makes all things beautiful. Thank God for the color chart. Thank God for some are short and some are tall. Uh, you know, if you're tall, you can look over those that are short. If you're short, you can find somebody sitting in front of you that's short, and you go sit behind them next week. But God always just kind of works it all out. But God has said to our church a long time ago, Love me, love my word, love those for whom I died, and that's the whosoever will. Everybody welcome. Everyone is welcome at Sagemont. Everybody's welcome at the foot of the cross. Everybody's welcome to the empty, empty tomb. God is alive. Jesus has paid it all. He wants everyone to come and drink of the water of life freely. Lost souls, those that do not know the Lord, are never to be condemned by the church because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? 
You bet we have. Nobody has to teach us to sin. We just come that way. But God loves sinners. He loves those that sin against us. But he wants us as a family to just learn to obey. And when we learn to obey, a passion builds for a lost world. In the church at Sagemont, we call it missions. Missions at home, community, and missions around the world. We study the Word, we pray, we give, but we also go. Much of the time of the year, we either have a mission team going, or one coming, or one that's there in some part of the world. But there's another thing that is known by many. It's known by most everyone that's a member of our church, and that is we're debt-free. That's very rare for a church. That's very rare for a company. That's very rare for individuals. I heard on the uh, uh, radio this past week that the average credit card holder owes between six and seven thousand dollars is their current is their balance month after month. That's just an average carry. I also learned if you call the credit card company right now, it's a good time they might lower your interest rates three or four percent on that and help you pay it off a little bit faster. But you know what we learned? Our God, say it with me, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now when God says he'll do something, he will do something. If he says us, thou shalt not, the best thing for us is don't do it. If he says do it, the best thing for us is to do it. But we have to understand what God wants. And several years, we, uh, it was in 1975 when we read the Bible through. It was during that year that God spoke to my heart and many others in our church that we should be debt-free. We should get the church out of debt. We owed over $600,000 at that time. And that we should get the church out of debt. And by the grace of God and the willingness of the people of God, we saw our church get out of debt in just a few weeks. And we promised the Lord we'd never go into debt if he'd get us out and we would live according to his riches and what he gave, we would be good uh, stewards of it. And we have held that promise to this moment. And last year, 31% of the income of this church was given to missions. If you do not know the church as well, that's unheard of, especially in a large church with a lot of debt, a lot of bills, a lot of this, a lot of that. But God has taught us that if we will just obey, that's all he says, just do what I tell you to do. If he says thou shalt not, then don't do it. If he says thou shalt, then do it. He said, I've come to set you free, individually and collectively. The most important thing that can ever happen when we get together as a church is for God to show up. If he doesn't show up, we really waste our time. We can enjoy the fellowship, we can enjoy the songs, we can pick up a few good thoughts, we can say hello to people that need a hello. But if God doesn't show up, we're in serious trouble because he's the one that changes lives. I cannot change your life, you can't change my life, you cannot change anybody's life. But he can, and he will. 
And one of the neat things is when he shows up all through the Bible, people start being saved. We use the word saved, salvation, being born again. They, they repent. Repent means to turn around. We're walking in the ways of sin. It's easy to sin. Just do what you feel like doing, and that's what you end up doing. But the Bible says repent, turn around, and go this way. So when God shows up, you begin to see lost people come to Christ. That's another significant thing at Sagemont. The, the same number that have come from other churches through all of these years have been new believers. In fact, there's more new believers than coming from other churches. That's what it's all about. Lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Everybody matters. Every decision matters. So that day when our church made the decision we'd get out of debt and we promised God we'd never borrow again, everybody got involved. The senior adults got involved. We got reminded that it's, uh, it's not over till it's over. I think Yogi Berra might have said that, but anyway, whoever said that is a really good say. It's not biblical. Uh, it is biblical, but it's not in the Bible. Let me put it that way. But it's not. It's not finished. Until we die or he comes again. And so during this time, we can learn how important it is to know that he is here. If you have gone through a dark time in your life, a member of your family has passed away or somebody you love, and you've gone through that and everyone wants to help and we all try to lift each other up. But when that happened in my life, I had someone tell me that had just been down the same road of their wife going to heaven, and they gave me these words. John, pray these words every day. Dear God, make my awareness of your presence greater than my awareness of my loved one's absence. When God shows up, things begin to calm down. When we realize he's in charge, when we back away from the world's way of doing things and start doing things God's ways, good things begin to happen. Even senior adults like me have revival. I mean, if they don't sing our song at church, we just sing it driving down the highway. Nobody rides with us, and we can just sing it as loud as we want to, whatever we want to. You can pray out loud. You can know to be still, and that you know to be still, and know that he is God. Middle-aged people began to show up to work and serve, Bible school, Bible study on Sunday, mission trips, on and on. That, that goes. That's because God shows up. People that do the yard at our church, God showed up and led them to do that. And then revival began to come, and miracles began to come, and the world is shocked, and people that are sick get healed. Oh, I had an opportunity just a few minutes ago to, to meet a man that's very special in my life without going to any details, but he's a fishing guide and has had incredible difficult months. But he saw God gather around his bed in the form of flesh and blood and in the Spirit of God, and he was here today, walked in this building and several times. They gathered around his bed to say goodbye, goodbye. When God shows up, he's the great physician. And when God shows up, he meets our every need. Now, that's what we're praying for right now at Sagemont. God has chosen Sagemont to be an example. Maybe we're a test church. He has spoken to us, and he said to us years ago, get out of debt, and I will bless your people. And you see, the obedience is doing what God wants to do. 
They that wait on the Lord, the Bible says, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. But God allows us to walk and see the power of God done in His way. Our prayer today is, Lord, visit us again. Lord, thank you for my salvation. Lord, thank you that I had the health to come to church today or to watch or to listen. James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father of lights. Every child must never, every child of God must never forget Matthew 16.18 where the Lord said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. James told us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. God has said, trust me. God has said, I will provide for you. If God does not provide the money for any goal that we set, it's God's way of saying, stop. And we will stop. We will only move as God leads. If God leads, he will provide. If he provides, he will provide by blessing his kids and they are able to be the ones through which his wealth flows. That is being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. But there's a warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, but the natural man, that's the one that's not saved, the one that just goes on like they're born. We're born in sin. Nobody teaches us to sin. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I understand today that there are those here and you hate a message like this. I realize that, that you've never had that walk and you're still extremely suspicious of churches, preachers, religious organizations. And I can understand why in some cases. But I'll tell you what you won't find. You won't find any fault in him. God wants to bless his kids. We often at Sagemont stop and ask, what do we need? I think we're together. I think our staff is together. We need a student building. We need a place where we can take these hundreds and hundreds of magnificent young people, many of which came up through the children's ministry of Sagemont, but they're now teenagers and they're going to be there for a while in some of the most difficult times of their life. My teaching to every teenager one-on-one -on -one is don't ever make anything possible if you're not willing for it to happen. If I could just convince a few teenagers, if you abstain from all appearance of evil, don't ever make it possible. You will never be an alcoholic if you never take the first drink. You will never have the temptations come upon you if you don't go where that temptation is. You will not fall into that. Why? Because you don't make it possible. And I tell them again, I mentioned this the other day, I'm not dying on any motorcycle, and I'm not going to jump out of any airplane while the motors are running. <laughs> That's not the way I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to go, but it won't be that way because I'm not going to make that possible. But let me get right to the end of my, my, what I want to share with you. My personal evangelism, my impact on anybody else's life as a Christian or a non-believer 
is fixed on, anchored to my obedience to him. If he says give, you give. If he says don't, you don't. If he says go, you go. If he says stay, you stay. It's obedience. It's obedience. Now God knows us. God knows this church. Last Sunday, I walked into the building as I normally come in, in the same way, and I was walking down in front of the cafe, and a man came over to me with a telephone. And he says, have you seen this? And I thought it might be the final score of the Astro game the night before, whatever, I didn't know. You know. But have you seen this? And I said, no, I have not. And he showed me the picture of a big bank, tall bank, in Pasadena, Texas. Anybody know where that is? That's where I was raised, Pasadena, Texas. <clears throat> I remember a bank over there. It was a little bank down on Shaw Street. I remember that little bank became a big bank. It had a little money one time, then it got a lot of money. A lot of people came into town. Matter of fact, Shell Oil came into town. Shell Oil got all the bank leaders of all the banks in Houston. I think it was at the Rice Hotel because they were going to move all that money down to Houston. And so as they got all this bunch together in the hotel, they all went back home and they had a board meeting as to who was going to handle their money. And they said, did you see a nice-looking young man, well-dressed, funny, happy, giving, caring, relaxed, and he did not drink any of our liquor None of our wine, none of our whiskey. That's the guy that needs to be handling our money. Does that make any sense to you? It's better for a sober guy to handle it than a drunk guy, all right? So Buddy Jones, influence, brought that account to Houston. Why am I looking at the picture? I wanted to be the next Buddy Jones in past. I really did. I wanted to be a banker when I was 12, 13, 14. I wanted to be like Mr. Jones. He was a Bible study teacher, friend. Knew his kids. But that wasn't God's call on my life. And so I didn't become the, 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 the banker. But I became pastor of Sagemont Church. That bank helped us in our first year and a half through our mother church, First Baptist Church, Pasadena. And we had a line of credit. So when we couldn't pay the bills and that was off and we had the bank. All we had to do was pick up the bank. This is so-and-so. We know Mr. Jones. And here come the money. <clears throat> it worked for a few months. But then back to my phone, and I'll be through. I'm going to carry you down the hall. I'm going to carry you to my telephone. I'm going to show you, if you have not seen it, my bank and this church's bank back 50 years ago. This was last Sunday. This was one week before Envision Gathering where we're going to say our God will supply the need, but we got the big bank. Watch it. And there she goes. You have just seen 
our backup. <laughs> Does it make sense to you? A long time ago, we quit borrowing. But the bank's gone. But the church is going to live till Jesus comes back again. It's a matter of how he's going to make it happen. Either the banks can buy our churches or God's kids can own them. And if God's kids own them, we can go with God. Father, bless us now as we begin to move forward. Would you do what you've always done and take care of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. Appreciate you so much. We have a wonderful video that we've been watching for the past couple of weeks. And I think probably some of you have not yet seen it. It's a little bit shorter than it has been, but it's really good. So we want to make sure we see it again. It explains the project and some of the passion behind it and some of the information. So let's watch this video together. We stand on the shoulders of visionaries, of men and women who were obedient to God's plan to begin a new work in the open fields of South Houston. Since that first worship service on June 5, 1966, Sagemont Church has stood firmly upon the truth of God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word and has consistently embodied our mission statement to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Sagemont Church is a unique place where everybody matters. People are willing to love on you, just want to get to get to know you and see what you're about and invest completely in you. One of the major distinctives here at Sagemont Church has always been our stand on the scripture. I'm never ever worried if I bring someone that they might hear something that's contradictory to the Bible. You can't talk about the Sagemont area without talking about Sagemont Church. We're a giving church, we're a loving church. We're a church that helps their fellow man and shows them Christ's love. I've been at this church since I was a baby, and so it's home. I know that Sagemont Church is a great church. I know that we have ministries and facilities that are excellent in every way you gauge a church, except for our student ministry facility. It doesn't match our core value of excellence. We're using rooms that look like they haven't been inhabited for 10, 15 years. We have been moved all over the place. Um, we've had classes in little tiny spaces, in giant rooms where we have our alone time, but it's still really loud because just on the other side of the divider is another group doing the same thing. There's a, a, a major difference between borrowing and owning. You know, this, <laughs> I'm sorry, the student ministry has borrowed for a long time. We have worn those antiquated facilities out. Hurricane Harvey had wiped them out for us. We now have an empty footprint to create another space where they can meet the greatest person they'll ever meet, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Sagemont students will now have a space, a place uniquely their own, one they will be proud to invite their friends to for worship, discipleship, and fun. Whether it's volleyball, nine square, gaga ball or grilling out, our students will enjoy outdoor recreational areas. Inside, a central gathering space will feature comfortable seating, snack bar, 
in gaming areas where students will enjoy a safe place where lifelong friendships can be cultivated and tough issues can be discussed as they grow in their faith. With two full floors of space, our students and staff will enjoy a facility that includes state-of-the-art worship venues, individual classrooms, meeting spaces specifically designed to meet their ever-expanding needs both now and in the future. Our vision statement for the student ministry is equipping students to multiply. So everything that we teach them from the platform, everything we teach them through small groups, the expectation is to take that and then go teach someone else and train them up in righteousness. Relationships are the core of student ministry. And it's that sense of relationship, that sense of community that keeps them plugged in. Youth want to belong. And so we try to create a safe space for them to share biblically how to get through the issues that they're facing. I remember so many wonderful nights over there across the street that were just God moments. And some of those kids, and I was one of them, you know, were going through, you know, tough times. And uh, having a small group where you could just talk, oh man, invaluable. You can't, you can't put a price on that. Small group for me is a big thing because I get to talk about all the stuff in my life. They always encourage you and they always work with you and they're real, like it's not like sugar-coated and I really enjoy it. Student ministry is where I really grew in my faith as a kid and those leaders who just poured into me. Their selfless acts of just being there on Sunday and always encouraging us to stay in the Word, to be real with each other, that was huge impact. For me, it was revolutionary and I don't use that word lightly I needed external help to become an adult worthy of being called a Christian and that happened here in the student ministry I remember countless times being able to come up during the summer and talking you needed that place as a student the new building would be a gigantic tool for us to continue to foster those relationships. With the guys that I hang out with, getting the new student ministry building, we're gonna have a place that we can hang out more and it's gonna be constantly filled with me and my guys, whether Cody wants us there or not. If you have a building that's fun and exciting, you get people in the doors and then we will wreck you with the Lord and scripture and prayer and you'll never be the same. The cost of the 44,000 square foot building is $12 million. It is truly a God-sized project for a God who repeatedly tells us that He will provide all of our needs according to His riches in glory. Because we are debt-free, we are allowed to do so many more things at our church because we're not spending money on things that happened in the past. We're giving to funds and we're giving to resources that are happening for the future. And these resources are our kids, our students. Every good gift comes from the Father of Lights. He gives generously. He gives abundantly. With that blessing comes responsibility to be found faithful to the needs of the church body. August 4th will be an important day in the life of our church. It will be a day of in-gathering where we come together and in obedience to God's leading make our faith promise to envision. One of the biggest ways that we can minister to our students through this process is something that we always teach. You're blessed to be a blessing. We have a lot of people in our congregation who are very blessed. And so to be able to give is gonna show them, not only do we speak it from the platform, right? But we live it out. I'm a college student. I don't have a lot to give, but it talks about in scripture, it's all about the heart. What is your heart saying through your gift, big or small?
Every little bit counts. We should remember from the the widow woman with the the mite. The mite. Yeah. Um, that was all she had, and she gave it lovingly and willingly. And Jesus said, "Oh, what great faith that woman has! More than anyone else that gave in their abundance." We don't depend upon the banks. We don't depend on the stock market. We don't depend on one person. We just depend on one God, who supplies our needs through multiple, multiple people. Always has, and I believe He always will. We are building a building under whose shade many of us will never sit. But that doesn't mean it's not important. I won't enjoy the shade of the student ministry building, but my grandkids will. And so will the grandkids and the children of hundreds and thousands of our neighbors. We can't miss the opportunity to be involved in this next step of Sage Mind and what God's doing here in Houston. And so you give up something today with hope that it's greater tomorrow. Envision is not about building buildings. It is about equipping future generations. It is about providing a training ground where students can grow in their knowledge, understanding, and application of God's word. I would love people to look at the Sagemont Student Ministry as a ministry that's setting trends, that's reaching students who are not saved and seeing a generation surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's so much bigger than a building, y'all. We are creating disciple makers. We are creating people that are going to make a difference for years to come, for lifetimes to come. The world is changing and it could change for the better for the worse. And I hope whenever we have our new building, uh, more people come and more people accept Christ into their lives and more people make a difference to others. I'm reminded of a truth I learned as a young man. As a young man, as a Cub Scout, we would go to scouting trips and we would build campfires. And the Scoutmaster would always tell us, boys, leave the woodpile larger than you found it. We're at the season of life where many of your staff are on the brink of transitioning. So my vision is to leave the woodpile much higher than I found it. So it's very important that now be the time. Not later, not if God will, God already has blessed us. And if we'll be faithful over a few things, he says, I'll make you rule over many. I'm Nisha Tear, and this is my family. 30 years ago, this congregation made a priority choice for the student ministry. They sacrificially gave so that we could have a youth building across the street. In that facility, I was lavishly loved and accepted, and I was consistently given strong biblical teaching that has lasted me all of my life. Those nuggets of wisdom have been used by God many times to remind me of what is good, right, and beautiful in his eyes. That's my story. It is in the student ministry I met my husband. This is how we have become a family through this church. But my story is only a small part of God's greater story. So today, 
our family, the Tear family, wants to stand up and say, we want to continue the legacy that that congregation started over 30 years ago for me. And we want to say that the sacrifices we make today are going to help us change a future generation after generation, not just for my kids, but for all of those students and their families so that God can use those nuggets of wisdom and love to continually remind them what is good, right, and beautiful in his eyes. So today I ask you, what part of your story is going to be part of his story? And how is he going to use your story to reach the next generation? Will you join us and support Envision? Thank you. Good morning, church family. We are the Wilsons. I'm Najwa. This is David, Leontie, and Orion. And Sagemont Church has been instrumental in my family's growth. And we have seen in the youth ministry a little bit of the devastation whenever we don't have a place. I have been there when we have been moved over and over and over again. And the way that the kids feel whenever they have to not have a space that's their own. And they see where everyone else has a space. Now guys, we know that the church is not this building, but in the building is where we worship. And they have seen where everyone else has had a spot. And over these years, they have continuously moved. They've been gracious, they've been kind, but I've gotten a chance to talk to so many of them and the way that they feel in their hearts with the changes. And in the world, they don't care about the salvation of them. They wanna pull them in. But I really believe that this building is going to make a difference in making them want their, even their friends to continue to come. Y'all know one of the things that we see is that we have the biggest attendance for two events. It is for Journey and for Camp because it is something that they can kind of own. They feel like it's an ownership, but they ought to feel like that every day that they come, that they have a space to be. Small group is big for us. But I promise you, having to be in a room with other people is difficult. I, my group is loud, <laughs> and we could disturb somebody else, but we are so excited that the church is saying yes to giving us space where we can really have time to talk and grow and love on each other and know where we're to go. And I know that our church family is a family of love, a church that gives, and we've been experiencing that. And my family is excited to be able to sacrifice for this. And my children, when they pray, they pray over this. And I'm excited to see that in them, that it's something that they're praying for. And I really do hope that even if you don't have a child in student ministry, know that we are going to be good stewards of what God gives us. And we're going to lead and teach these young people in their discipleship to the Lord. And we really hope that many of you are going to join our family, this family, all the other families of the church. And it does not matter the amount, it is your heart and your sacrifice for what you're going to give. And we thank you. Hi, I'm Dan Fortson. I, got, I had the pleasure of growing up here at Sagemont. 
from early childhood, riding the buses here, to going to youth. Youth had a very special place for me. You know, I wasn't probably the easiest kid to get along with in youth, a big kid, you know, but it was a place that was safe, a place that where I can come and talk, a place I can come have somebody talk to me and deal with my struggles and the issues that were going on, the place where, I got, where Christ saved me in my youth, and where people taught me what it means to love on somebody as an individual. Teenagers need that space because they need space to just to let go and be them, but also be comfortable enough to come talk like, hey, I have questions, I have struggles. A place where they can get truth and get taught the gospel clearly to where they can understand it. Even though I grew up and graduated from youth, I still serve, came back to serve at the college. In that place where youth, where God has called me into ministry, I am now the children's ministry associate here. But God has done some incredible things through this youth ministry, watching countless of kids come through, getting called into ministry. The reason why I believe we need this building, one, to glorify God, and second, because they matter. These students matter. And I believe they really need this space for themselves. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Tim Burke. I'm here with my families, my wife, Allison, our three kids, Emma, Jack, and Sam. Allison and I actually met during our youth days, uh, Sagemont Youth. My three kids have uh, been coming to this church but since before they were born. And um, luckily, they, they've all come to know Jesus as their Savior and have been baptized here. And I can I know that our student ministry has helped them grow so much. Um, my story is a little different. I didn't start coming to church until I was in high school. Um, I had some friends that came to Sagemont uh, after my mom passed away when I was 14. You know, I was going through some tough times as a young teenage boy. And luckily, one of those friends reached out and invited me to church. What I came to... It's an old uh, grocery store that was converted to a place for kids to meet up, and it was called Sagemont's Youth Building. God used that place, and that's where I would end up meeting some of the most influential people that the Lord would use to draw me closer to Him. I got saved when I, right after my freshman year in high school. And I know that the, um, the Lord used those people, not just that building. The building wasn't fancy. There was nothing fancy about it. But what it was, it was a safe, welcoming, friendly place that I could come. And every week, I would go there and I would, I would take in the word that was taught. I would grow through the small groups that every week you just felt safe in. And... It wasn't because of a building. It was because God used his people that chose to invest in Sagemont's youth. What I look forward to, what my family looks forward to is today we have the opportunity to do the same thing. We have the opportunity to, to invest not in a building, but in our children and our children's future. And, the, and this church has the vision of doing that. I'm so thankful for it, and I ask that you would join us in that.
to our building of the addition. Thank you. The Schneiders have been members here for 37 years. Our kids have grown up in this church. Our oldest daughter, Amanda, lives in Austin. Our number two daughter, Reagan, the Davis family, they live in Pearland, and they have been very faithful in Sagemont for many, many years. And then our youngest daughter, Veronica, she's part of the Mann family now. They live in Friendswood, and they too have been faithful in Sagemont for many, many years. They grew up in our student ministry building. They had Freeman and Wes and Keith as their student ministers. I've stated to you on a number of occasions, we are planting a tree under whose shade many of us will not sit. Moyne and I were never a part of the student ministry here at Sagemont, but our kids were, and our kids were blessed. And our kids are still growing strong because of the foundation laid right here. And now it's about the grandkids. These are the ones. These are the ones who will enjoy the shade, the building for this next generation. Max, the oldest right here, will start student ministry this year. And like so many others, he'll inhabit buildings that were devastated by the hurricane. It's time that we do for our students what we've done for all of the rest of the church family. Our core value is excellence, not opulence, excellence. And yet in those facilities, we don't meet our core value. It's time to sacrifice for their welfare. And not just my grandkids, but your grandkids. For the community's grandkids. For the lost grandkids who will be coming to Sagemont. Let's be found faithful. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you breathe on us. The vision is so very big, but it's nothing for our good God who owns it all. The only question is the faithfulness of his children. And once again, his children, the Sagemont children, are challenged to do the supernatural, to give abundantly. Would be easy to go to a bank, Lord, and you know that. Many do that much greater challenge to be still and to know that you supply every need. And so, Father, we have a need set right before us. Our God shall supply our needs according to your riches. The needs are real. The building is needed. May your Sagemont Church family be found faithful today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sagemont family, you, you have right in front of you an offering envelope. 
let me encourage you. That is an in-gathering offering envelope. Let me encourage you to take it and fill it out and be as generous as the Lord would tell you to be. And in just a moment, we're going to open up our church for a in-gathering offering. Now, visitors, I would say to you, if God impresses you to give, that's fine, but you are under no obligation to give. In fact, I would want you to know we don't normally pass the offering plate at Sagemont Church. We just don't do it. But today, we're, we're kind of making an exception. We're going to have the whole church family come forward and drop in a tangible offering as God has blessed. You've already received a faith promise and many of you have taken your faith promise and filled it out, you can bring that faith promise. If you did not bring your faith promise card with you, you can get some more out in the foyer and fill it out and drop it in the buckets. And so I want to ask the lights of the church family to be brought up. And I'm, I'm going to ask the bottom floor first. I want us to come down these front these center two aisles no matter where you're sitting I want you to gravitate to the center two aisles and then exit out the back aisles and the service will be concluded you will exit out those side aisles and go out the side doors so would you stand on the bottom floor go ahead and stand and as God has already directed you make your way now our staff is down front staff you come leaders lead and so I want you to make nobody coming down through the side aisles make your way through the center two aisles here and exit out the side of the church everybody coming down through the center two aisles and exiting out the side aisles of the church This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you, all I have within. This is my desire. 